I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ramdas's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ramdas, Krishnadas, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more. The Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Hi, everyone. Raghu, I'm back. And uh, this is Mind Rolling. And uh, I want to welcome, uh, and I just said to him, uh, this is Makad Brooks. Makad, welcome to the show. And uh, I just said to him, because although we've had a little chat a few days ago, we, you know, this is all brand new. And I said, yeah, this is one of the advantages of doing podcast for me, I have made so many new friends and gotten to know people from all walks of life. It's just really fantastic. So, and, um, and so you'll excuse me too, because I know you've been, you know, you've done, you're doing a lot of stuff online, like everybody is. Uh, and so you have to tell your story over and over, but, uh, it's okay. No, no. God's an actor, so he knows how to do this stuff. Okay. I, I try to make it sound fresh every time. Yes, and I'm yes. not sure. I'm not sure if I accomplished that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and we have to thank uh, our mutual friend, Mr. Duncan Trussell. Yes, uh, we do. And he's my, my guru. And uh, you're, so, you're a smart man. You're a yeah, smart man. Right? Yeah. I, um, yeah, we love him. We really love yeah. him. And um, sending all the blessings to Duncan. Love him. He's amazing. Right? Yeah, He's just yeah, just really. an incredible guy. Just an incredible. Yeah. Guy. I mean, you. I mean, I, I. You know, I play around with him, and he always gets pissed when I say, you know, this is my guru. You know, my my podcast guru, <laughs> but which is true. He got me turned on to yeah. this, and you know, I come. My earlier days, I was in radio, so it was a natural fit, and he he knew my story a little bit. But he, he yeah, he just. I mean, it was ABCs too. Okay, you get this piece of equipment and you plug this into it, and it was like that. You know, it wasn't just oh, go ahead, do it, man. And and, uh, and, and now you and now you're teaching me. Yeah, <laughs> passing. Yeah, it's oh, already started. Boy. It's already yeah. begun. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, I you know I, I just looked up a little stuff here and there, and some of your posts on Instagram, all that, but um. One thing really got me about you, and you know, and of course, I want to hear your, about your your life and and how you got to where you are. But um, His Holiness the Dalai Lama has said over and over and over, the way that we uh, we can go forward into to the future with positivity and hope, genuine hope, is through the auspices of our mothers. He said, I had a totally compassionate mother, loving and compassionate mother. And, you know, here I am, he kind of said, you know, and I saw a picture of you with your mother and I just saw, mm. it was just one comment on, on uh, yeah. that seems to be pretty self-evident. Uh, I don't know. Talk about it because it, it's so beautiful. It's, it's such a reality what he said, is it not? I, I, I never heard that, that, uh, quote before, but I 100% agree with that. Like, um, my, my mother is, she has many roles in my life. She's, she's my hero. Mm -hmm. She's one of my best friends. 
Um, she's one of the most annoying people I've ever met, <laughs> but she, but she does it out of love. Like she, you know, her, all, all the things that she doesn't want me to do are, are, are for my own safety or for my own uh, security or for my own comfort. And, um, it's, it's become a good rule of thumb. If my mom is telling me to tone it down, I should turn it up. <laughs> so um yeah it's I, I i find a lot of truth in that I, and she's one of, she's the most compassionate um transcendently patient and, and mm. loving person mm. you ever want to meet mm. and she's feisty very feisty yeah yeah, yeah. You know. but uh it certainly has informed your life uh, in a profound Absolutely. way i mean i, yes. I can tell without even knowing that much about you um, and, um, but just a little bit, you know, growing up and where, where that was and just some of the causes and conditions. I usually ask people, okay, what, what is the turning point where you start to realize there was something beyond, um, senses, ego, there's something else going on and, Oof. you know, so, but what were the causes and conditions just as, as you were growing up? I mean, for me, that was that, that was a very early realization. I think I realized yeah. that around, yeah, I realized that around four, four or five years old that there was. That's early. That I was sort of, um, I had this omnipotent presence of my own pre- presence of my own life, and I, I, I was, I was able to sort of be out of my body and watch things happen at four or five years old, and I, I, I just thought that was normal. <laughs> I thought every I thought everybody was doing that, and then I started trying to describe it to people, and they're like, "What? What's wrong with you?" Um, I was like, "You don't you don't see this conversation from another way?" Like, like no. I go. Hmm. <laughs> um, so I th- I think that's kind of that's kind of always been there for me, I guess. Mm. Uh, wow. I was raised Catholic, still recovering, you know. Um, <laughs> I can I can remember a time I was I was I was in a closet six or seven years old. I was locked. I locked myself in a closet, and I, I had lied to my mom about drinking apple juice. And I was like, and I thought I was like, I'm going to hell. I'm going to I'm going to hell. Like the Catholics say, if you lie, you're going to hell. I was like, this is just as bad as killing someone. So I was going through this like confessional guilt <laughs> at my own birthday party, like six years old, and I and I kind of realized, well, this is not for me either because this is. In that omnipotent perspective, I go, this is too much for a child. I literally said that to myself. <laughs> really? Yeah. I was That's like, this pretty is too profound. Much for for yeah. yeah all of it's profound, but if it's, it's, uh, it's just kind of where I found myself. Mm. Um, and I, I, um, I'm not, I'm no longer bashful about this, but I, I remember having a, these, these very specific and mundane dreams about, uh, being being a woman in in the past and they would be these really really just mundane sort of everyday dreams and I didn't past know incarnations you mean past lives Correct. like that yeah, yeah. I, I i i i think that's what was happening mm. but i i that was very early that was that was elementary school and i started to like sort of be really freaked out by those dreams mm. and um I tried to stop having them. I touched, I was ta- I was talking to others about them and hoping that they could give me some advice about how not to start living somebody else's life in my dreams. Like, especially like, cause going to school and hanging out with friends, it was, it wasn't like you were jumping through a wall and chasing a dragon and then some non sequitur of like, now you're floating in, in, in this, in this vat of goo. No, it was, it was, it was just like, go to school, have an argument with your parents. Did I not make a peanut butter sandwich? I'm like, what is this? This is crazy. <laughs> um, so I kind of always, I guess, had this, um, I don't know, this this interaction with with something other than the senses. Mm. Yeah. And and I and I was able to explore that in my adult life. And um, May 20th, 2009, was kind of the culmination of that. Um, I had a, I was in the hospital for a long time. I had a, um, I, uh, a parasite, an amoebic antimicrobial parasite that I got in Africa, which is very fancy way of saying a water-based parasite. And, uh, I had most people who have that particular type of parasite die within 28 weeks without treatment. And I had it for two and a half years. Oh, Jesus. And, but I didn't know. 
I just, I had these. So with Western medicine, what happens is they, they, they treat your symptoms. Yeah. Right. So I go into the doctor, I have gastrointestinal problems and they say, okay, well, let's, let's give you this. So everything's fine for two months. And then I come back and there's something else going on. And then they gave me something for that. And I, two months later I come back. So I was always at the doctor for a good two and a half years, not, not realizing what it was. And then one day I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get out of bed. Everything, um, everywhere blood went hurt. To tell you the truth, like oh. my eyelashes hurt, my, oh. my hair, my hair follicles hurt. Everything <laughs> it was, it was, uh, my teeth, any, any, anything, anywhere where blood was going. Because what happened was I, I had a liver abscess, um, which is caused, <clears throat> yeah, it's a hole in the liver. I won't get too medical. I won't get too, uh, into detail about it because it's kind of gross, but like what happens is, is your, your, the parasite colony creates a, uh, a hole in the liver and the liver balloons around it. Thus pushing into the diaphragm. So every time you breathe, it's like someone's stabbing you and the blood is going through the body. And every time the liver is supposed to be cleaning it, it's not. And that's how the parasite can use your own bloodstream to get into the rest of your organs and take over your body. Somehow that didn't happen to me, which makes me a, a medical anomaly in the first place. So instead of curing me, what they did was they prolonged my, my suffering so they could study me in some ways. And I started to figure that out, really. Yeah. This yeah, here, I, here know, in this country? You were here. Yeah. I was. Um, they hadn't, I was the third case in 12 years. They hadn't seen anything like this since a lot of doctors were coming in, flying in, going, Oh my God, I haven't seen. I've never seen this in real life. It's just, this is like a medical school textbook thing. Wow. And I, and I realized that there was all these doctors coming in and nobody was really helping and they were just sort of accumulating research. <laughs> wow. Western medicine. And, um, so one night, uh, I'm, I'm, it, and to, to make the, the, the story shorter, but also add to the severity of it. They, I, 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 I had another doctor diagnose me with swine flu. I had one diagnosed me with leukemia. I had, I had all these different diagnoses and none of them were right, but I was being treated for so many different things. And I had this IV drug, uh, drip coming into my system. And I had a, they finally found out it was a parasite and I took a medication for that. And I had an allergic reaction and that, and that caused my vitals to crash. And I, I crossed over to the other side. You had an ND. Um, I had ND, wow. and I um, uh, we can man. Wow. Um, okay, well, tell us about that. But, you know, this is actually this is something um, Ramdas. Uh, yeah, we, we've talked about you know that uh, this this whole network is a is a be here now network. He in the latter years of his life spent a lot of time around that subject, talking to people, and I did as well a little bit. Really? Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Big time. You know, if you went in the library, you know, where he was reading and uh, at his house, uh, he had a ton of books around this. So, yeah, yeah he would have loved to I wish talk I, to I you. Wish I, I wish I could have yeah. talked. Well, you know what? It's not too late. We can, we can do that sometime in the quantum, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, I guess I'll get into it. They, they, they say that your life flashes before your eyes and, and I know what, they, I know what they mean when they say that, but that's not quite how I would describe it. How I would describe it is it's, 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 it's like you are on the edge of this orb of existence of your own life. And it's nonlinear and you're able to see every, every moment from that omnipotent perspective I told you about when I was like four or five or six years old that I thought was my imagination. It's like you, you, you yourself, you know, 20 years, 25 years down the line or 30 years down the line, when you're at the end of your life, you're going to see this conversation we're having right now from a completely different perspective. And you're going to be able to jump from conversation or happenstance or, or your father said this, and this is what he really meant. Oh, wow. And I was 12 right here and I'm 14 here. And this is last week. And this is five minutes ago. And that's 30 years ago. And all these things are happening and you're, um, you're, you're, you're connected to all of them, but sort of separated from all of it, right? It's like, it's almost like VR, it's interactive, right? And then they start to fade and, and you realize they're going somewhere else. And that is, 
and you still have your conscious mind. At least I still have my conscious mind. And I was like, where, where, where is this going? These are, these are, these are my memories. These are, these are what make me me. That's my imprint. Where could that be going? And as soon as you ask that question, you, you get a you get a response. And really? It's, it's almost yeah. You, it's almost like laughter. It's almost like it's going to you. <laughs> it's, you're uploading. It's going to you. And then there's this this um. It's hard to. It's like this um, psychic break almost, where you start to feel like. Well, what am I then? What what is this body? What is Makad? Like if that's me, then what is this? And it's like, that's you too. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um these these memories uh that you thought were yours go up to your own I, I would I would say your soul's consciousness. Mm. I don't even know how to explain that. Then what I what I experienced was all the senses that that make the human animal alive, like the sight, the sound, touch, you know, all these things. They become these these sacred geometry shapes. They they're they're, they're representative. They become these three dimensional um, these three-dimensional sort of fabrics of, of, of honeycombs and, and mandalas and different things, and you know what they are. You know that that's, that's you in, in this sort of geometrical representation. And then it goes into this spiral really, really fast, and these things are sort of sucked out of you, and um, <laughs> they just, they just kind of go away. And you, and with the last conscious thought, at least I asked myself, did I do what I was supposed to do while I was here? And that sounds pretty, it sounds, it sounds general yet ominous, but it really, really, it's a simple way of saying, did the soul fulfill the agreement it made with the body before it took the body? Yeah. You know, you, you made an agreement to be here in this space time. So you, so you have consciousness and with consciousness, you must have purpose. So did you, did you pursue that purpose? Did you, did you fall into inherited agreements or did you choose to live the life that you chose to live in the first place? And my answer was, was no, Mm. not yet. Yeah. And, um, that was the most heartbreaking part of the, the, the entire experience. It was that was almost scarier than the process of, of crossing over. It's like coming to terms with um, the truth about my own existential distractions, things that I've distracted myself with, or things that I've in, agreements that I've inherited because of the spacesuit in this space time, and perpetually pushing the the the, the that boulder up the hill like Sisyphus. And saying, and never really understanding why I just didn't put the boulder down. Mm. What's the purpose? What's the purpose of pushing the boulder up if it isn't your boulder? Right. And so that, that, that happened to me. And I would say that I, 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 at that moment, um, you're sort of, you're kind of still trying to process what's happening. And at least I was, I can only speak from my own experience. So I was still trying to process what was happening. And the, you, I was going down to where you, you find your intestinal fortitude, right? I was reaching for that. Um, and, and it was almost as if I had these energetic hands just digging as far as I could go down into my root. And there was a bottom. And there was a bottom. It was it was way higher than I expected it to be, and there was a very calming voice. It was my own voice saying, "Not this time, don't pray. Not this time." And there was something comforting about that. Um, scary, very scary, but something very comforting. It was almost like, okay, resistance is conflict. Conflict is suffering. What now? 
And as soon as I sort of let the, let the process of, of trying to fight for something that uh, was not meant to be at the time, I felt bliss. Mm. Complete and utter bliss and laughter and embarrassment, embarrassment that I forgot that I was a soul having, having a human experience. Like it was a very particular sort of bliss and mixture of bliss and experiential, um, ecstasy and laughter and a timelessness of, of knowing and, <laughs> and an embarrassing laugh, truly embarrassing <laughs> laugh. Like you lived your whole life in that tiny little body that you identified with and not the rest of this thing. Not the rest of this thing, this energetic body that's always here, that's been here since the source. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. And I was, and it was kind of interesting. And like, you know, and, and once again, like when you're in that, when they're in that space, it's more, it's more experiential than it is um, thought provoking. Um, <clears throat> this is this is me processing it uh, years later. Um, the next step that I noticed at the time was I saw this, I just thought it was dark and, 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 but, but things were lighting up and things were, I was dancing and it was dancing and it was me and I was it. And the laughter was, was, was there. It was palpable. Like, I mean, it was probably heard through dimensions. Right? <laughs> um, and then I realized I wasn't in blackness. I was, I was on top of this, um, placid horizon almost as if you were to turn off your ipad or your your iphone screen and it's just black darker than black like shiny and um you're moving forward i was moving forward and i was aware of what i what you could only call a body but it wasn't a body it was you couldn't see it but you could feel it if that makes sense um I was able to see maybe 270 degrees around, like without, there's, there's no head to turn, but like, that's kind of what you can see and, and you can mm. feel. <clears throat> and when I say big, when I say you, f- you feel big, I mean a building. You feel like a building. <laughs> you feel, you feel, you feel, you feel like a, like an oak tree, like bigger. You feel like a redwood. You feel like a, mm. your, 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 your energy is giant. The being that you are uh, underneath that mask mm-hmm. is a giant energy. It's a giant, wow. beautiful energy. Wow. It's, it's a, yeah. Um, so I know I felt that. I felt it was like orb-like. I felt like a pulsating. I, I felt a movement, um, and I move. I move forward, and that black, placid landscape was reacting to my movement, like almost like ripples in a pond. And I noticed other orbs, you know, to the sides of me moving as well and pulsating. And I was like, wow, do I look like that? I guess I look like that. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, like being a kid and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, how a baby looks at everything and is just, mm-hmm. just mesmerized by it and curious by it. like, that's, that's how it felt. Delight. Kind of. Delight. Right. And then, um, the soul's memory came pouring back in almost like you know where this is this is the place you go before the transition and this is either a short trip right here or this is a long one depending on you know depend I, I, what i got was depending on your choices depending on the choices you made right and it seems to be like a decompress, like a, like a, like a deprocessing center for souls after a human experience. <laughs> and, and what I saw was, what I saw was like this, this horizon that became a landscape that I remembered. Like a place. It was a place. It wasn't like this sort of, um, imaginary ephemeral sort of thing. It was, just, it was this, it was, it was a, is it felt like a physical space and place that we all know that we all know not not makad not ragu but our souls know this place 
And I started to see mountains and I started to see things I think were trees, but they looked a little different and certain colors in the, in the sky and that horizon. And there was so much harmony coming from that horizon and so, and I, and bliss. And I just wanted to go dance there. The, the only word I can think of is dance. It's not dance. It's, it's almost like this, this, uh, experiential, like, exchange of ecstasy with nothingness almost like mm, mm-hmm. you can imagine like it's yeah, yeah. molecular joy right like like yeah a, a molecular ballet that's <laughs> that's kind of, yeah honestly and that, yeah um and so to make a long story short the the other orbs that i that i was experiencing started moving a lot faster than me and I was slowing down to a stop almost. And I started to, to feel like, no, 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 no. I, I want to go that way. <laughs> I want to go that way. And I, and I, it was, it was almost as if I could sense what the other orbs were, were communicating or, and they were just sending joy and love and, and, and bliss and harmony. Uh, I don't, we don't have the words to describe this kind of stuff. Man. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> That's I mean, what maybe, they all maybe, say. In all these in, yeah. NDA stories. Yeah. You, I, I can say some stuff to you, but it's, in, you know, it's ineffable. You, I can't really tell you. Yeah. It's, um, the, the best, the best thing that you can do is, is three ayahuasca journeys in a row with, with a powerful <laughs> shaman. Seriously. Like, and like, and maybe you get a taste of it. Like, maybe you get a taste mm-hmm. of it. Um, so I remember seeing this light that I thought was like the moon on the horizon of this place. And I started floating up towards the moon. And I, I remember thinking to myself, or like not thinking, but like emanating the, the, um, the communication of no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I want to go there. Like, no, like it was almost like a, a playful, like, no. Right. Mm. And, um, There was this voice again that sounded like my voice and has, and has come out of my body a few times since then. Um, more, more, more often lately because I've made more room for it, but, um, it said there's more to do. There's more to do or there's more to be done. I forget, I forget exactly what it was, but it was, it was the communication of that. And it's hard, it's hard because we say, oh, there's a voice, but it's, it's not a voice. It's like, you're hearing it from the inside almost. Mm-hmm. Like you're hearing the, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, perspective of the universe. Like if you, if you're inside the sound, it, it, it's, it's, you don't hear it, but you, but you know it. Hard, once again, hard to explain. So, um, I'm floating towards that moon, or at least what I think is, I'm on a trajectory towards that moon, and I'm thinking, where, 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 where is this? Where's this coming? And then that moon became that spiral of energy. Again, that three-dimensional representation of sacred geometry of my senses. And I was kind of like, okay, okay, I accept this. But it was almost as if I was, um, I hesitate to say disappointed because I I don't want to say that. Because I'm very grateful to be alive. I'm very grateful to have had all the experiences I've ever had and but there's something about the bliss something about the the that molecular ballet that nothing in life can compare to mm. nothing mm. absolutely nothing so it was almost as if I was like okay I got to postpone that like you see all your friends over there having a good time and you, and, and at a dinner party and you're like oh, I got I, I got to I have to go home and write this email real quick <laughs> 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 I got to jump on a Zoom. Um, so, yeah, it, wow. it, those shapes spiraled the other direction, came back into me. I remember sound was the first one. It was it was distinctly the first thing that, that came back in. Um, and sight was it was nearly last, if not last, and uh, and then immediately the pain. That I, that I was, that I was in. Um, wow. So yeah, that's, 
that's that was that experience in 2009. Mm. That was May 20, 2009. May 20th, 2010. I'm in India. I'm studying Hinduism in Tamil in Tamil Nadu. <laughs> You went back, you had this thing from Africa, these parasites, and you were going to try a few different ones out in India, which we, uh, who have been to India a lot, have experimented with ourselves. Yeah, listen, I, I um, on the anniversary, <laughs> there was a Hanuman celebration, or uh, it wasn't Hanuman, it was a different goddess. I forget, it was a goddess. Uh, Durga, Kali... It wasn't Kali or Durga. Lakshmi. It was one that I did. There's only four billion, so I could be here a long time. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't one that I knew very well. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't one of the famous ones that have really Where were translated you? into it. And I was in Coimbatore at the time. Oh, South India. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just outside of that, we were in. We were near Tanjore, and we stopped to see. So, so since you've been, do you, do you know? Um, the read the uh it's it's called naughty reading what with the, the, the with the the, the naughty readers yeah like from on the palm leaves or whatever yes yeah. on the naughty oh, yeah. on the naughty leaves yeah yeah, yeah. they so tell I, you sit there they tell you absolutely everything that's written down you know and it's all targeted it's, right on right it's crazy yeah it's crazy like i was like this has to be a hoax this has to come on <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then they're telling me stuff that i didn't tell anybody i'm like mm-hmm. okay and this was written when? 4,000 years ago? Okay. <laughs> yeah. As as I'm leaving that, as I'm leaving that that reading, um, a man who reads scrolls said, be very careful driving. And I thought that was very strange because I had just said that to a friend of mine like two hours before that. And um, didn't think anything of it. And then May 20th, 2011, a year later to the day, I was sitting in a car Back uh, here. Stoplight. Yeah, in Atlanta, minding my own business. And a lady hit me head on going 65 miles an hour. And I went into a coma for three days. Had a very, <laughs> had a very similar experience. Um, so there's that. And then one year later to the day, May 20th, 2012 was the first day I did ayahuasca. Mm. And, um, you know, a, a long-term committed, uh, you know, uh, a very poignant relationship with, with that plant, mm. and and um, so my May twentieth is my spiritual birthday. So if if <laughs> I have any, it's almost like I can't I I can't um, I can't be bashful about my own connection to the universe because I don't understand it or others don't understand it where others don't understand their own because the universe keeps waking me up and saying, Hey, if you don't pay attention, we're going to make you, you know, four years in a row on the same day, something, something yeah. life changing happening. Oh, God it's, just, God. It's, it's So that's, that's how I know there's something else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh my God. This is quite a story. This is like, so, you know, wherever you were coming from past lifetime and um, you got all set to go in, back into a body, uh, you know, and through this incredible woman, they, they must have said, but you'll need a little bit of curriculum that's unusual. Most people don't have this kind of curriculum that just absolutely jettisons them into uh, this kind of realization. That's, that's really powerful. And then, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was I was going to say that, but but I, I think I needed. I I mean, I I I had a traumatic. I had several traumatic interventions, mm. and I think that I needed those. I needed. I'm hard headed. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't that loud, I I don't know if I would have listened. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I didn't listen at first. I I sort of put my head back in the sand and 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 had had my PTSD and. and Went, went about my life that way, but every single year something else happened on the same day. That's just too. Uh, yeah, no, that's crazy. You yeah. can't ignore it's that. It's too obvious. It's too way it's too obvious. Yeah. yeah, like you're 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 crazy if you don't pay attention. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, I didn't expect that. 
Oh well, I I, I don't know. I mean, how much I knew you something because, happened. I read up a little bit. I yeah. knew I knew something happened. It was life changing, and it involved near death yeah. experience. But uh, this this uh, you know the detailed ex- uh, description is uh, spectacular, especially since, like I say, I I studied a bunch of this kind of stuff and worked with Ramdas around it. Um, jumping from here, mm-hmm. though, um, I. I'm in Ojai, as listeners know. We're putting Love together, Ohio. yeah. I know you're in New York, but whenever you're back, whenever it can travel again, maybe a couple of years we'll see you. We'll meet up, eh? <laughs> That'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and putting this headquarters together for Love Server Member Foundation. Uh, it turns out we're actually moving to a, a, a new place, and it's around the corner from the uh, Krishnamurti Library. I don't know if you've been mm. up there when you've come. Yeah. I've not been there, but I, but I love Krishnamurti. Yeah, and I know that uh, because of some posts. And one in particular, <laughs> it's which I, I do know, and uh, it's a spectacular quote from him. It is no measure of health, right, to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Yeah. Okay. That seems to be like a core thing of what's going on right now, especially with the white population, right? Feeling, and you know, I think also not just white population, but I mean, around me because of the, you know, the consciousness work that we do with the podcast, with Ramdas.org and everything else, um, there is some truth in that statement, I think. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of truth, but but there's some specific truth about, um, uh, I've been talking to uh, somebody else who's joining us. Do you know who Conda Mason is? She's uh, been an an activist around social justice and and also um, into uh, Buddhist meditation and has worked at... um, in California at Spirit Rock with Jack Cornfield, who you may have heard. Um, so I, I talked to her in the middle of what uh, was going on. As I said, she's joining our podcast network. And and she just said, yeah, um, yeah, well, there goes the veil, uh, right? The veil is done <laughs> and there's no, uh, the, and it's the veil over the privilege of not knowing. Hmm. It's, okay. it's very well put. Yeah. Um, I, I, I happen to agree with her. I happen to agree. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, if you can't not agree with that, the, the, the thing is this consciousness itself ha- has, I believe consciousness itself has a, a, uh, evolutionary process. It, it, it has its own existence, right? Some people call it the collective consciousness. You can call it whatever you want. I call it after you lose that human form, you remember. I call it remembering mm. that we are one. And that collective consciousness went through its own traumatic intervention during the Reformation. Um, and the Reformation brought forward um, two, two things that changed the world forever in the last five centuries. The printing press and uh, the industrialization of commerce. And what happened was all of a sudden, uh, you know, Raghu, you were, you were this, 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 uh, learned scribe and you were in Barcelona in 1475 and you would, you would, you would spit this esoteric knowledge to, to those that could understand it and those that could read and those that, that were, that were trained in this, right? And 15 people or 20 people would know how smart you are. Or, or how much you knew and you could share in the wealth of that knowledge or the wealth of that propaganda. And what did we have when we got the, the printing press? Well, that was their social media. Mm, yeah. That was their, that was their internet. Mm. All of a sudden you could write something down and Martin Luther could print out 5,000 copies and have those copies thrown around Europe, reposted, retweeted around Europe, right? <laughs> and all of a sudden that changed religion forever. That changed women's role in society forever. Um, that cha- that dethroned kings. It caused governments to to have to change their positions on things. But then, what what did we do? We didn't just use it for truth; we also used it for propaganda. And um, 
the printing press was used to to pass the proper the, the, the myth that became the interest of the myth that races actually existed at all. And that piece of propaganda made its way throughout Europe and became the prevailing wisdom that Africans were subhuman. And that Africa was this was Satan's last stronghold on the planet, the dark continent. Mm. Black did not black didn't mean skin. Black meant black plague, black magic, black male, evil. White didn't mean skin because the Portuguese named it. They're tan, you know. <laughs> they, they're not white. And so what they meant was purity. And so they 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 subdivided people who consider themselves different ethnicities and then created these larger myths of race and differences within those races. And because that was the prevailing wisdom in Europe for 20, 30, 40 years, it just took it took on a life of its own. And um we have built our economy on that myth. The industrialization of commerce was helped by that myth. Around 1600, people were feeling really bad about the slave trade, and they wanted to stop it in Europe. But that myth came out. You know, put that myth out. Two companies. Mm-hmm. One was called the Dutch East Indian Company. Mm-hmm. One was called the Dutch West Indian Company. Mm-hmm. They had they had sailors and their employee who were jumping ship and committing suicide coming back with uh, doing their own versions of mass shootings. Um, and it's because they were feeling horrible about what they were doing because this, the, the slave trade was, was, was child kidnapping. It was mostly children. It wasn't, wasn't like they went and got 40 year olds, but you know, you wanted 15 year olds. Um, you work them longer, they take less food and you can fit more in the ship. So a lot of people didn't feel good about that, including the stockholders, right? So they put out these pamphlets. Doctors signed off on it. The ac- academia at the time signed off of it in Europe and said that the Africans were subhuman. And this became the prevailing wisdom. And by Hume's problem, of, uh, the, the philosophical question of David Hume is that human beings feel, um, human beings are afraid of the unknown and they're also afraid of being behind the prevailing wisdom. So whatever, when they see a new problem, they adjust it to whatever prevailing wisdom is there. And if the prevailing wisdom of doctors and academia at the time is that Africans are subhuman, they, they must be. They must be. Mm-hmm. So we should take them out of that subhuman environment, put them into a new place, allow them purpose and give them our God. And let's make some money off of it too. And that's been the last 500 years. Mm-hmm. That's been the veil. That's the veil. The, the, yeah. The great, the great lie of separation further separated in, in a depraved manner. That's what the Reformation did. So consciousness itself, I, I believe, would like to heal from that traumatic time in its own life, in its own evolutionary process. And it's giving us the, the opportunity to, um, to be compassionate about each other's stories. Mm. Isn't, I truly it, believe that. isn't it amazing that COVID is here right at this time around with, you know, this just blew up and people have more time to uh, absorb and to perhaps do a little bit of investigation and so on. I mean, that's a pretty amazing thing. Actually, I, I would say, I would say it's, it's more than amazing. I would say that it's, um, that's, that's the universe and the consciousness itself saying I am evolving. I'd like you, I'd like you guys to go home, be with your families, have a seat, Press pause. Uh, have the ancient brain massaged. And you figure out what's important. Survival. Okay. So survival is important, right? If you go outside, you might die. There are people who are, um, you know, afraid to go outside and afraid to, to live their lives in a normal way. And I'm safer inside. Okay. Cool. That, that felt horrible for two months for people or three months for people. But I think what happened was people's, uh, compassion. Centers got activated in their DNA and they go, wait, my black brothers and sisters feel this way 365 days a year. They're in constant fight or flight. I, I don't like that. So we got a good chance to look at ourselves, look at our families, see what's important, look at our society with new awareness, with a slowed down awareness. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And I think we got really compassionate. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm. They call these times, the Chinese times of chaos and so on, and so on dangerous opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great, uh, I, you know, I, I've been living with that 
uh, for months and talking about mm. it in every podcast because I think it's a great description. But um, really, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then there's, you know, the reality of being African-American in this country mm. and the reality that white people, we do not, cannot live in that skin. Um, uh, and one of the most profound things, you know, and I know you mentioned it, uh, I, I know you just did a podcast with, uh, with Duncan and mentioned it, but it's, it's, it's worth the telling again. And that is the time where you get told the story. Yeah. Um, for anybody who wants to deny racial oppression, I challenge you to answer this question. Why does every single parent, every single black parent in America, and, and moreover, many places in the world, have to tell their children at a certain point in time that the world hates you? And you can't make it lighter than that, because if you do, their, their life depends on it. Their life depends on knowing that the world hates them and that they have to take precautions because the world hates them. That danger could be death. That danger could be bullying. That danger could be assault. That danger could be getting skipped over for something. Whatever that danger is, there's someone who's going to try to knee neck you. There's someone who's going to try to put their knee on your neck at some point in time. And sometimes that person's a citizen. Sometimes that person's a cop. Sometimes it's the people who are supposed to protect you. Sometimes it's your teacher. Moreover, the, mo the most dangerous um, place for a young black child in America is in the, the, the mind of a white supremacist. And they don't wear pins. They don't identify themselves. They have all types of different jobs. So in preparation, you have to tell your black child at some point in time the proper way to, to get arrested. Mm. Not, to, not to be harmed. Yeah, not to be harmed, not to be assaulted, not to be killed. Your job is to make it home. Your job is to make it to that cell that they're undoubtedly going to take you to one day. 100%, they will take you to a cell one day, without question. Every black person I know has been into, has been put into a cell at some point, at some point in time. Whether you've been charged with the crime or not, they will come get you. They will figure it out. And you have to teach your child the proper way not to die at the hands of a police officer. You have to teach your child the proper way to speak to a police officer, to look them in the eye, but not, but not for too long, to put your hands on top of your head or above your head, uh, even when they just approach you, make sure your hands are not in your pockets. And if they start talking to you, to yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, it is uh, comply no matter what they say, no matter what they say to you, just comply and make sure your hands are always someplace so they can see them. And I was eight years old the first time I got arrested and roughed up by the police. Um, I mean, it's, it's child abuse. Like what, what was done to me? Like I was grabbed, yanked from the, from the bushes <clears throat> and had my head pushed against a, a wooden wall where it bruised me. And I had, I had nightmares for years after that. And I got handcuffed and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, for playing hide and go seek. And I was a small kid, you know, I didn't, I, I think my brother maybe had to talk. He was 10, I was eight. But, um, you know, I was a small kid and I didn't, I, I don't think I had to talk yet. And then my mom found out, you know, the hard way that we, we have to have it, you know. Um, yeah, it's... Um, It's, it's a devastating reality that people have to have to sit their children down several times throughout their childhood and let them know that, no, the entire world doesn't hate you, but you have to assume they do. 
There's going to be people who see you how you see yourself. But there's also going to be people who don't see an honor roll student. They see they see a menace. There's going to be people who don't see my son, my loving son. They're going to see a threat. There's going to be people who don't see a kid, a boy just being a boy. They're going to see a thug. And you have to look in the mirror and um, see through all those things that other people put on top of you. And it's just too heavy for an eight-year-old. It's just too heavy for a 10-year-old. Mm. It's just not fair. Mm. It's just not fair. So that's a real talk that every family, every black family in America has had. I mean, mm. I, I guarantee you, like there's not one that hasn't had that right. because it's, it, it can save your life. Right. Oh. Uh, and uh, a little bit more related, we're, we're getting to, to the close of the podcast, but um i know in our realm which realm of uh, sharing consciousness just simple to say it is that um the spiritual bypass or the up leveling can uh happen pretty quickly and uh, there is something that you said and i i, I want to quote it in another thing that i saw um, you said, if your definition of quote-unquote woke prioritizes quote-unquote positivity over social justice and human rights, you are asleep. And it's interesting because i I just been working on... Uh, it sounds I, better I, when you say it. <laughs> it sounds more profound when you... <laughs> uh, uh, can, you. you just, can you just like follow me around and say my quotes to people? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a job I love. Um, but I've been working on a uh, podcast uh, where uh, we take excerpts of Ram Dass's talks and I introduce mm. them, you know, and talk about it a little bit through my own lens and so on. And and Beautiful. and this one uh, that I'm working on, actually, while I was waiting to talk to you, is uh, around, um, it's called The Path of Awakening. So it's around getting woke, right? Mm -hmm. And at some point in it, what is it he say? I mean, this is, um, so he says, you cannot do, you can't not do anything. There is no such, even lying in your bed is doing something. Doing right? something. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you can't. So the question is, what form will that, will the, you know, what form will it take? Any actions right. that you do do in life, right? And right. he says, your incarnation is a vehicle for liberation. Okay. That's mm. true. And wow. that's what your business is on earth. And, yes. and my own additional yes. thing there was, um, I haven't actually done the intro yet, so this is a rehearsal for me. <laughs> and that liberation includes all humans' liberation, which is all humans, all humans' liberation, which is the all Tibetan humans. Bodhisattva vow. Right, I'm not going anywhere until everyone is liberated, and um, and that and that speaks to if your definition of of woke, it pro, you know, prioritizes just positivity, you know, in this very narrow range, um, and and there's nothing, there's no action being taken uh, around so uh, social justice and human rights, most especially mm -hmm. in our time then what, you know, what, what's the use of it? You know, there's no, that's not part of awakening. And so I, I really, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I really vibe I, with that. Thank you. Um, I, I put it to a friend this way. The, uh, another way to say that the other day, um, I said to a friend, I said, you know, Buddha said life is suffering. Mm. And <clears throat> I think we can all attest to that. Yes. Right? We can all we can all attest to that. Mm -hmm. So, the purpose of a spiritual awakening is to um, is to construct a comfort zone. Sorry, is to construct your awareness beyond your comfort zone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And that has to be the anecdote to suffering. Right. To alleviate to try to alleviate your own suffering is to to expand your awareness beyond your comfort zone. Well, once your awareness expanded beyond that comfort zone, you start to see new truths. And you start to realize that maybe the alleviation of suffering is not just for you. Maybe it's for all of us. 
Maybe so. you're supposed to use that that spiritual alchemy that you've applied to your own life to the life of all. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just not really sure why the spiritual community is still on the fence about this. Mm. In fact, I think the spiritual community should be leading this charge. This is a humanitarian thing. This is not a, a class thing or a gender thing or a race thing. Yeah, uh, totally, yeah. totally right on. Yeah. Totally right on. Um, yeah. And by the way, everybody, well, uh, I know you're working on a book, right? I am. When's that going to be? Um, Not- it was it was coming along really nice during COVID, and then um, Armageddon turn. came. Yeah, racial <laughs> yeah. Armageddon came. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll so, be at it for a while, okay? <laughs> yeah, but but I, I I hope to have it out by next year, and it, yeah. it, it is actually kind of about what's going on now, and, yeah, and how I do we create see. how do we create new agreements for the twenty first century? Because we're born into these agreements that we're currently in, yeah, and right. these agreements no longer serve us, obviously. Yeah, they they never have, but they 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 can't. Um, where does crippling oppression lead? Where does it go? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, where does it exactly. go? Yeah. Oh well, I can't wait for that, and we'll that'll be an opportunity to get together again. Although I want to get together again way before that, and also, you know, you're a Renaissance man. I mean, you you have a a, a band. I mean, you perform <laughs> I, and record, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I I I I do music as well. Um, it's part of the part of the agreement, which is I think I think. There's a lot of, um, when I was a kid until, until my NBE, I had a lot of clutter in my head. Mm. Mm. And storytelling and music has helped me sort of streamline that, mm. you know, yeah, since, and, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes that's helping like sort of clean the processor out, right? Mm. Yeah. And, and, and you have to, and, and you have to make room for the software updates. <laughs> yeah, can we, we, uh, can we share? The music uh, through the uh, podcast network, you know, I mean, the show notes and everything. Is there a link that you can send me? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. send you a link. Um, yeah. And then sure. we can share it with people. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, sure. As well. And of course, need you to say, uh, what's the latest uh, uh, thing that you're doing movie wise that's coming up? Can you say? Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Mortal Kombat. Um, yeah. The, uh, it's a, it's a uh, reboot based on a video game. Mm. Um, most popular fight game of all time. So that's a, that's a pretty cool thing and really big movie. And I grew up playing that game. So it was, it was a dream come true, but also something I, something I visualized and manifested myself. And Mm. and I, I strongly, I strongly recommend that people, um, use visualization on a daily basis because it works. Yeah. It works. Yeah. Oh, and be, and be specific as possible. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah. Um, what, uh, where can we, where are we going to be able to see this is the next question. Well, the, the thing is like, we had a, we had a, a release date prior to COVID and that was January 15th, 2021. Um, oh. and I was going to be in theaters everywhere, obviously, but I don't, who knows if theaters will exist. <laughs> <laughs> is it coming out uh, sooner I, than that though? However it comes out? No, I don't think it will. Be. I mean, oh, I, most of right. the, most of the really big movies like Fast and Furious, Wonder Woman, they got yeah. pushed. Uh huh. So I, I, I would assume that they're, we're going to get pushed too. Yeah, and, they're hoping for the best. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll it'll turn out. Yeah, it'll turn out. I I, I think what the way the business is headed anyway is to release movies in theaters and at home at the same yeah. time. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I, I think yeah, that's they have to the, do it the next now. step. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they have to. Yeah. So hey, thanks so much, Makai. It's so great meeting you and spending this time. Really wonderful. And again, everybody will have links and, uh, or just uh, one wonderful source, just, you know, befriend him on Instagram. Thank you. God Brooks. Okay. And, uh, and we're going to have you back as well. Maybe we'll do something. Oh, I know a fun thing. Why don't we do something, you, me and Duncan together. Oh, that would be great. We should do a we should do a round table. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm serious. We really should. That'd be yeah, great. no, no. I'll talk to him about it, you know. And uh yeah. uh um and I also you know, aside from Conda Mason, who you, you should check Conda out uh, as well. Um okay. there I also there's a new book by a, a woman, a Sikh woman 
named Valerie Kaur, K-X, not quite, Kaur, she's K-A-U-R. Her book comes out tomorrow. I am recommending Ooh. it across the board to everybody. Uh, so, yeah, t- take a look at that. It is called See No Stranger. You will love this book. Mm. I know it. I know oh, it. is it? I think it's the one you told me about before. Yeah, yeah. Right? With, yeah. From a Sikh woman. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So check okay. it out. And everybody out there, you'll be hearing more about her. And I did a podcast with her. It'll be out sometime soon. Meanwhile, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My brother, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you holding space for my voice. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you all next time on Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com. Network.com.